welcome to Collision Cast Thunderbenders Weekly Podcast. I'm Anna Zuck, editor of Thunderbender, and today I'm bringing you a conversation that I recently had with Mike Anderson. Mike obviously needs no introduction, but he is the founder of Collision Advice, a true legend in the industry. And one of his many recurring things that he's done over the years is a yearly wish list. His list of the top 10 things that he would want for the industry in the year ahead. I got Mike to bring that back this year and we talked through the 10 things that he would really like to see the industry conquer in 2022. So if I had a a top 10 wish list, um, I think number one on that list is that in our industry, the one thing we don't have is we don't have enough time. We don't, you know, if I was to talk to any estimator or any parts person, they would all say, I just don't have enough time. You know, I don't have enough time to research over repair procedures. I don't have enough time to follow up on estimates. I don't have enough time to, you know, follow up with the customer or whatever I got to do. Number one is that the biggest challenge in our industry now is that administratively people don't have enough time to do everything they need to do. So I think we, my wish list would be around what can we do to give people some time back, mm-hmm. right? And I think number one is if you look at a parts person, a parts person spends 40 to 50% of their time in putting parts invoices. So we need to expedite um, the acceleration of, you know, if you or electronically order parts that you can receive that parts invoice back into your management system to eliminate that. So right now, CCC True Parts offers that, but other parts vendors don't. And they need to, are are there all parts ordering software solutions need to do that? Because that would give a parts person back 40 to 50% of the hours of their week back to be proactive mirror matching parts or staging parts or whatever the case may be. So I think number one would be that all electronic parts providers and solution, you know, parts solutions um, have a stability for us to input import parts invoices back into the management system to eliminate rekeying those. I think the second thing on my wish list is that we have a better solution or an easier solution for researching and repair procedures. So I can tell you, like, I personally wrote an estimate to replace a quarter panel on a vehicle, and I had to pull um, 92 documents with an average of five pages per document. So it was over 400 pages of home repair procedures. And I mean, you know, that takes all day and you can't just write one estimate a day. So we need a, a better solution for helping us to know what it takes to fix a vehicle right and also to standardize some things like that, right? So instead of me having to go through and look at the torque spec on every single bolt, let me just click a button that just gives me that. The third thing I think would be, and I'm assuming you're recording this, is that, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The third thing I, I think is that when it comes to OM repair procedures and ordering parts, I would love to see us have something that is like um, my genius feature in my iTunes account that says mm. people that bought this song also like this song or people that watch this movie also like this movie. Right. And so that um, we had the ability that if we we're writing an estimate, it could say people that looked at this procedure also looked at this procedure or people that bought this part also bought this part. Right. And that, you know, there's no reason we can't, you know, cause you hear about artificial intelligence. Right. And I, I don't, and, and I, I think that there's no reason that that, solution can exist, right? To help mm-hmm. us to better rate estimates and research some repair procedures and bring things to our attention we may not know. Um, I think my fourth thing 
that I think I would have on my list is in regards to staffing, right? Um, I think that our industry is in a very tough spot. And, um, uh, you know, I, I'll give you an example. My nephew is 22 years old and he graduated high school and he went to work for Amazon starting out in a warehouse while he was going to college. And now he's managing a warehouse at 22 years old and he's making over $100,000 a year. He has stock options and they pay all of his college. And how are we going to compete with that unless we find a way to get our wages up in our industry, right? So whether it's labor rates or not included operations, but if we can't find a way where we can pay people more, right, then we're never going to get to that safe and proper repair, right? So I think that, you know, finding out how do we get our wages in our industry so there, you know, we can compete for the brightest talent from other industries like Amazon, right? I think the, um, the other thing that I would add to that list is that my wish list would be that um, the OEMs would get involved um, with some of these vocational schools like mm-hmm. ranking, like Rankin College in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of training that the OEMs offer for um, entry level service technicians. And I think that it would be great if the OEMs could develop a program much like BMW has. BMW has what's called the STEP program Mm -hmm. where an apprentice goes to their STEP program and they come out and then maybe they're not going to be like an A tech where they can do everything. But if they're a solid B, I think that putting some structure into that, and I know Rankin College has come up with a phenomenal model on that where you work eight weeks, you go to school for eight weeks, you go back and work in the shop for eight weeks, that we could have more Rankin type um, institutions in our industry and that the industry would get behind that, right? Meaning the OEMs, you know, all stakeholders, right? So that we can find a way to attract better people, give them a good wage, but also that, you know, that we might have OEM specific training for entry-level apprentices. The next thing that I think I would focus on is that um, if I had a wish list, let me think on that, would probably be... Um, this whole scanning calibration thing. Like, I just can't believe that our industry is still, you know, thinking that it's okay to use an aftermarket scan tool. And I understand that you've got some advertisers on that. So you probably have to tread a little lightly, but, you know, based on the studies that I've done with OEMs, there's a huge difference. And I think that, you know, my wish list is that insurance companies would just you quit giving shops a hard time on this, mm-hmm. right? And just accept it, that it is the new norm. And you've got to figure that out in your actuary, you know, when you're trying to figure out what a policy is going to cost that that you need to determine that, right? Because it's not right to penalize shops. And and what I see is they're pitting shops against shops and, and then other shops are making, which is not always the best interest of the consumer. I think the next thing on my wish list would be these safety inspections, that the OEMs would continue to provide clarity around their safety inspections, much like much like General Motors did, you know, General Motors came out with mm-hmm. some parameters around it. You know, um, Fiat Chrysler came out and provided clarity around their steering columns, and that other OEMs would step up and say, "Let's put some parameters around these safety inspections, right?" Because it's totaling cars out, and you know, sometimes it is very invasive. And I'm not, I think there's a, a right time and place for it, but the OEMs would continue to provide clarity, you know, to the industry in regards to that. So I don't know if that's 10 or not yet. I think I'm up to like seven or eight. I think you're up to seven or eight. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I think also is that um, 
the other thing that I think I would look at is that on a wish list is that the OEMs would put more, you know, continue to put more meat in their programs. You know, some OEMs have some really strong standards, some not so much, and that we continue to reward that the OEMs would start to recognize and reward the shops that are dedicated to doing the right thing, you know, for, um, you know, on behalf of the consumer and the OEM that those shops, you know, would get recognized and rewarded for that, right? And rewarded could be, you know, again, um, you know, more work to the door, whatever the case may be, right? Um, and then I think if I was to wrap it up with my last wish is just that um, people would accept personal responsibility that, you know, each and every person and stakeholder in our industry just to, has to ask, what can I do to make our industry better, right? Because there's so much negativity and so much, you know, badness that I think we all have to, it starts with us accepting personal responsibility, like me, Mikey Anderson, Pleasure and saying, what can I do to make the industry better, right? And I think that would be my wish list. Yeah, I love that. I love that last one. And I want to ask to, there are a lot of challenges right now, and it's really got some people feeling down and disillusioned and how do you think that shop owners can like fall in love with this industry and this business again i have one answer for that and that is um spinning you know first of all being like a 20 group or a 10 of, of an event like your fender bender conference i think that you have to be surround yourself with like minded people and understand that, you know, again, you know, I use the analogy, there's a book that was written by a guy named Ken Blanchard called Gung Ho, G-U-N-G-H-O. And he t- it's based on like Native American principles. And they talk about the spirit of the, of the goose and or the spirit of the squirrel and the way of the beaver. And anyway, but it's about geese. And it talks about when geese fly in a flock, when you hear geese honking, what they're doing is they know that they can sense that the lead goose that's flying in front of the bee is getting tired. And when they honk, they're honking to encourage that, that goose that, Hey, I know you're getting tired, but we're with you. Right. And I think what we need is, I don't think we need, you know, like this false buildup where we just build people up. That's false. Right. But that I think if you're a shop and you're disillusioned, you know, find a way that you can participate in, you know, um, in groups with like-minded individuals that will encourage you and lift you up, right? I think enthusiasm breeds enthusiasm. And I use the Fender Bender conference like that, right? You know, if you go there and there's all these shops and you hear that other shops are struggling and you're like, you know, wow, they there's other people out there like me, you know, because you don't you can you can very easily feel like a person, you know, um, you know, a person left, you know, like you're alone on an island. So I think getting involved in industry events, you know, again, like I keep saying the Fender Bender conference, but I just think going there. And being around like-minded individuals that may have a solution to a problem you have. And so I think being involved in an event like that, um, you know, is, is the way that we do that. Finding like-minded individuals that will encourage you and support you and, and, and maybe they've tread that. And I think that's where the older generation of our industry and the younger generation can help each other. You know what I mean? The older generations may be a little frustrated and the younger generation might have this you know, way that they know how to use technology to make life easier, but the old technology, old and old um, people in our industry or, you know, the seasoned people, they've traveled this journey before and they might be able to give some counsel to that young person. So I think industry events, you know, like Fender Bender Conference, right? And just finding like-minded individuals that have traveled this road before you. Yeah, absolutely. What do you say to people who 
feel like this industry is over. There's no way to make money in it anymore. You know, so those dis- things you hear. Yes, I, yeah, so I disagree with all that. This is still a great industry. Um, you know, and our, I think if you're going to be in this industry, you have to just, you know, put your big boy or big girl britches on and just understand that our industry has challenges, right? Obviously, it's getting reimbursed for saving proper repairs. There's a technician shortage. I mean, that, that's just the way it is. You just got to accept it, right? You know, but, you know, I have a friend of mine and he works for UPS. I mean, he's 58 years old now and, you know, he gets timed from the time he parks his UPS truck to he sets his emergency brake to he delivers the package. I mean, they measure cycle time on him. And, you know, the older his body gets, it's a little harder for him to do that, you know. So every industry, you know, if you work at McDonald's, you're going to leave out there every night smelling like French fries. It's just you got, you know, if you work at McDonald's, that's what it is. So I think that we just have to embrace the challenges, but understand that every one of those obstacles is an opportunity for us. And we just have to learn how to, we t- how you know, collectively, how do we do that, right?